The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Life Source Connect is all about connecting with our church, finding out what our church is about, just uh, understanding why we do what we do, and it's just it's just awesome to be involved in something that's much bigger than us. So Anne and I have been here now for 22 years, and it's just getting better and better and better, and better and better and better. And so what, what I want to do this morning is just help you understand um, how you can contribute to this church, and how, how the 400 volunteers that we have at the moment are just making this church a magnificent church. It's, it's hard to believe that um, in this church we have something like somewhere between 350 and 400, because it keeps changing all the time, it's hard to keep tabs on everything, but we have somewhere like 350 to 400 volunteers. I mean, just in children's ministry, Aaron, how many volunteers do we have just in children's ministry and kids' work? Something like 80, 80 volunteers yeah, just in kids' ministry. 80 volunteers. Now, the beauty of that is because we've got 80, you don't have to do it every Sunday. And, and so we're able to rotate and, um, and, and, people, and, and people, you know, just get a break. Um, food care on Thursdays. I think we have 70 volunteers just in food care. So just between kids and food care, there's 150 volunteers. And, and, and that doesn't even count what it takes to just turn on the lights here and all the people that are on sound and people that are on lights and people that are on video and uh, people that uh, just car park even, for goodness sake. You know, I love the fact that when you, when you come here, there's someone guiding where to park your car and just the, the faces that you don't even know their names and yet they contribute so significantly and powerfully in our church. And, and I just know that Anne and I, as senior pastors, would not be able to do what we do without you guys. I mean, we've even got a stage manager that's got the headphones on and, and you know, just puts the table up here when I need the table. And, and you watch when I'm finished with it, the table just disappears automatically. It disappears. And, uh, and, and so if my shirt is hanging out, I'll get a sign, your shirt is hanging out, or tuck it in, or you know, shoelaces are undone. I mean, we've got people that are just amazing, amazing. And, and so this is about joining the team. Okay, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And Ephesians chapter 2 is a beautiful scripture because it's Paul keeping in tension the truths of the Bible. See, the Bible is full of tension. And because a lot of people don't understand the tension that's in the Bible, what they tend to do is they go from one extreme to another extreme. So one of the reasons why there's lots of debate in the Christian world about doctrine and theology is because it was actually designed to stay in tension. And what ends up happening ends up, did I say ends up happening? I meant what ends up happening is that some people focus on one side of the tension and come up with their theology, and then other people focus 
on the other side of the tension and come up with their theology and they fight because it seems contradictory. But it's not contradictory, they're just two ends of the tension. And and so and it was and it's meant to be held in tension. So uh, and so here in, in Ephesians chapter two, I'm gonna give you a classic illustration of this tension. And so let's read it. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so here's Paul making it really clear that your salvation is not based on what you do. It's a gift from God. You don't have to earn it. It's a, so, so you can't buy your salvation. Well, you know what? I'm just going to give a lot of money to the church. And that, that'll make sure that I'm right in heaven. No, you can't buy your salvation. Sorry, I don't care. I'm not selling it because it's not for sale. But, but you know, John, we'll give you a million dollars if you make sure that we get to heaven. I, I can't do that, folks. Sorry. Why is that? Because the Bible is really clear. It's, it's the gift of God. You can't buy it. You can't work it. You can't merit it. It's the gift of God. It's the free gift of God. And so, and so what, what that does, it says, sorry, but you can't work your way into heaven. But then the next verse, the next verse, verse 10, says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so here's one verse saying, you can't work for it. And the next verse said, but you were created for good works. And so what have you got? You've got this tension that says, you're not saved by works, but you will be judged by works. And you say, hang on here. Is this contradictory or what? No, it's not. There's no contradiction here at all. There's the tension that we've got to keep in mind. That what God is interested in is saying, okay, now that you're saved, that's my free gift to you. What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to sit there and just say, woohoo, I'm going to heaven and just sit? Or, or do you understand that you are actually created by God? You, you're this masterpiece of God created to do something. And you, go, you can't spend your life just waiting to get to heaven. That's, that's a wasted life. Or, or you can't spend your life just pursuing what this world has to offer with no, with, with no thought about eternity. Everybody say eternity. That's what you're going to live in forever and ever and ever. This world, you're a pilgrim passing through. You're just a visitor here, folks. You're a visitor here for 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years. You're visiting. You're passing through. Eternity is forever. That's our eternal abode. And what's happening here right now is a test. Life is a test preparing you for eternity. So how are you doing with this test? And what you do is, is, is what's going to impact your eternity. So you're, you're being tested here, being prepared for your eternity, and God's going to be looking at what you do, and what you do will impact your eternity. That's why the Bible says, lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. So if, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... How many of you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? How many of you say, that's the gift of God. You're going to heaven. Okay, so you're going to heaven. But when you get there, when you get there, there are treasures. There are, there are rewards. And a lot of Christians don't get this. 
that, uh, that in heaven, there's going to be rewards. And, and it's like some people are going to get big rewards. Other people are just going to get in by the skin of their teeth. You're in heaven. Wow, fantastic. But then there's rewards. And, and what are the rewards connected to? Are you ready for this? By what you do now. You do nothing, no rewards. You do something, but what you need to do has to be connected with right motivation. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a very powerful scripture. It says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13. He's Paul writing again about works, about what you do. And it says, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a work, a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. You know what this is saying? This is saying that, okay, when you get to heaven, God's actually got a testing facility for all that you do. And the imagery, the metaphor that's given to us is the metaphor of a fire. And so all your works will go, in, you will go through the fire and the fire will actually refine it. The fire will actually test just to see what motive is in the works. So if what you do is all based on me, 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 everybody, look at me, look how great I am, you know, look at my title. How many of you know that? Many times for people like myself, where you get a platform like this, you get to speak to, to hundreds of people in a church and then thousands and thousands of people on television that watch us through, through media as well. Now you've got to get your motivation right. Because if your motivation is, everybody, look at me, look at me, what will happen is that, that that'll go through the fire. And if it's all about me, you come out with nothing. It's like, yeah, well, you received the look at me. But that's now. And so, so what happens is that the motive of what you do will be tested. And if the motive is pure, the motive is, I just want to serve God. I want to serve people. I want to do it out of, out of a heart of service. The, the motivation is to bless people. The motivation is to bless others. Then what comes out is this, this wonderful treasure of gold and, and precious stone is the metaphor that's used. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a wonderful treasure. But but the Bible says that those that either have not done anything or have done it with the wrong motive, just escape as through the fire. You'll get to heaven, but by the skin of your teeth. So how many of you know that's pretty confronting? Everybody say, I'm confronted. Well, I hope that you are because I'm confronted with that. And it certainly, it certainly puts holy awe into me. So let's talk about three types of people in church. Everybody say, let's talk about it. Okay, so there's three types of people in church. The first type are the seekers. And a seeker is someone who's on a journey and, and they're seeking truth. And the doors of this church and my arms are wide open for the seekers. If you're here today and you're seeking, you are so welcome here. I, I seriously love the fact that you're seeking. You're seeking for truth. You're seeking for knowledge. There's all sorts of discussions and, and debates and, and information out there and, and you're navigating life wanting to find truth. And when you come to this church seeking, what I'm going to do with the best ability that I have is seek to impart to you the truth of God's word. 
And I'll do that from a pure heart. And I'll do that with one motivation that one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to give an account to God as to whether I really shared the truth or whether I had my own agenda. And I, I want to be able to stand before God and say, God, to the best of my ability, I share truth with people that's according to your word. And so it's wonderful. I love the fact that we have seekers every week in our church. And you're welcome to come and sit and relax. And you know what? If you're a seeker, let us minister to you. You just relax. Let us give to you. We're happy to do that. Then you move on from being a seeker and you become an attender. I love the fact that... Uh, Easter time, we're going to get a lot of attenders in our church. And uh, I call them the CEOs. It's the Christmas and Easter only. (laughs) The CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. And uh, they're attenders, and that's great. You know what? Doors are open. Arms are wide open. Absolutely come and attend. It's awesome. It's fantastic. We want you to be an attender. Absolutely. But can I just say to you that The strength of a church is not found in how many people attend the church. The strength of a church is found in how many people move from being an attender to a contributor. That's the strength of a church. So you might have a church of a thousand people and they're all attending and nobody's contributing. You can have a few people that are just absolutely had it. Why? Because they're running around doing everything. They're like chooks with that head off and they're serving and they're doing, you know, just running around and they're doing 15, 16 jobs because everybody's attending and nobody's contributing. But when you have a church full of contributors, that's when a church becomes strong. And so when I do my church health, I'm not interested in how many people attend a church because that's not strength. I'm interested in how many people contribute because that's strength. And a church that has Lots of contributors is able to do a lot more than people that do just attendance. And so part of our goal is not just to increase the attendance. Our our job is to take people on a journey where we're preparing them for eternity and preparing them to do good works and preparing them to do something with their life that, that fulfills their divine purpose. And they contribute to the kingdom of God, laying out treasure in heaven. And let me tell you, that's what great churches are all about. So let me share with you the difference between being a contributor and a consumer. Are you right for that? You've got the three types of people in church, seekers, tenders, contributors. Now let me talk to you about being a contributor versus being a consumer and just help you understand the difference between being a contributor and being a consumer. Now let me just say right at the beginning that I want you to be both a contributor and a consumer. So I'm not here saying, don't be a consumer, just be a contributor. I want you to consume. What's the purpose of me preaching if you're not consuming it? So I've I've come this morning and gone into God's bakehouse together with God saying, oh God, what will I share with them on Sunday morning? And God and I, we baked up this meal and I want you to consume it. I want you to sit there and say, wow, that was awesome. Wow, that was confronting. That was that really pushed me forward. I, I, I love that. I don't just want you to sit there saying, preach another one, Pastor John. I, I want you to say either amen or ouch. What I don't want you to do is go to sleep. Okay. Huh? Person next to you is asleep. Give him a nudge in the ribs. Say, it's time to wake up and listen to this. So, so 
This is what a contributor says. It says, what can I give? A consumer says, what can I get? Now, that's okay if you come to our church and you say, what can I get? But I don't want you to stay at what can I get. I want you to move to what can I give? Now, the flip side of that is this. Neither do I want people coming to our church to say, what can I get? What can I give? What can I give? What can I give? Because if that's your attitude, you're going to burn out. We want you to be in a place where you can get as well. So let's not just flip on one side and not the other. This is not, not an either or. This is a both and. I want you to be contributor and consumer. You got that? So contributor says, how can I help others? Consumer says, who can help me? But I don't want you to be just that, who can help me? I want you to move to, how can I help others? And you know what? The greatest way of you getting helped is by helping others. And it's an amazing thing when you flip across to helping others, you get helped as well. It's an amazing thing. Another difference between a consumer and a contributor is a contributor says, how can I be a blessing? Whereas a consumer says, how can I get a blessing? And you know what? I, I think it's awesome when you come to a church and you say, how can I get a blessing from this church? But I don't want you to stay there. I want you to move to how can I be a blessing to the people and, and be a blessing to my community. Another way that's the difference between a contributor and a consumer. A contributor says, it's an honor to serve. And a consumer says, I love being served. It's an honor to serve versus I love being served. And, and you know, for some of us, we love being served. For others of us, it's almost embarrassing to be served. And I, I know there's some of you that are sitting there and it's like, you know, I'd rather serve than be served. And others here are saying, are you kidding me? Come on, baby, lay it on me. I love being served. And can I just say, to be healthy, you need both. And so here it is. To be healthy, you need to be a contributor and you need to be a consumer. And so I'm saying to you that if you are a contributor but you don't consume, you're not healthy. And if you consume and you don't contribute, neither are you at that maturity level that God wants you to be at. But health is contribution and consuming together. And that's just awesome. Okay, so um, three reasons why we ought to contribute. But before I get to three reasons why we ought to contribute, I just want to give you a little bit of insight into the life of Moses. Can I, can I give you a little bit of insight into the life of Moses? And the reason I want to do this is because Moses is considered by some as probably one of the greatest leaders, one of the greatest contributors that's ever walked the planet. So when I say Moses to Christians, everybody says, wow, what an incredible leader. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Awesome, awesome, awesome. When I say Moses to Jewish people, they say, yeah, absolutely, one of our great leaders. But you know, when I say Moses to Muslim people, they say what a great prophet he was. So even Muslims acknowledge the greatness of Moses. And so, and so we've got Christians, Jews, and Muslim people all say Moses was definitely one of the greatest leaders that walked on the planet. But Moses was one of the most reluctant leaders that ever walked on the planet. And Moses was what I call this line in the sand... And he's 80 years of age. 80 years of age. How many people have you got here that's 80 and over? Give me a wave, all the 80s and overs. Come on, there's a, there's a few of you. There's a few of you. 80 and over. So he's 80 years of age. 
And most people at 80 years of age have already worked out the retirement plan, if not already. So he's Moses. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's done his first 40 years in Egypt as, as a prince of Egypt, and that failed. He murdered somebody and took off, and they you know, took off into the wilderness. Then he, next, he spends the next 40 years just as a shepherd in the wilderness, and it's like you know, it's all over. And then at 80 years of age, God comes knocking at his door and says, Moses, I've got something incredible for you to do and it's like but I'm 80 and so all of a sudden what happens is that Moses comes up with all the excuses in the sun God says I have come to set my people free out of Egypt and Moses I'm choosing you to speak to Pharaoh so that he can set my people free and the first excuse that Moses makes is well who am I who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and so His conversation with God is all about excuses. And his first excuse is, I'm insecure. How many of us have got insecurity issues? I'm sure there's lots of people that are sitting here that have insecurity issues. I certainly had insecurity issues when God came knocking at my door to be a pastor. Insecurity, inferiority, not good enough. You know, who who am I? And, and, And God's response to Moses' insecurity issue is, Moses, don't worry, I'm going to go with you. How many of you think that's a great response to an excuse? I'm going to go with you. And so, and so then, then, he, then because God wouldn't listen to his first excuse, then Moses came up with a second excuse. How many of you do that quite often with God? You know, When God won't listen to your first excuse, you move into excuse number two. His second excuse is, but, but I'm afraid. And at the end of the day, I think fear is probably the most powerful of all excuses that we carry. Because at the end of the day, it's not, well, who am I? It's like, but what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe me? What if, what if, what if? And all of a sudden, we, drew, we draw all of the negative scenarios. The what if. The what if. Hello? The what if is projecting into the future and seeing something. But, but... But but what we do is that we project with negative eyes rather than positive eyes. What if we say, what if God is able to do this? What if I succeed? No, we actually go the opposite. What if I fail? What if I'm not able? What if nobody listens to me? And so he's God's response to his second excuse. What was God's response to his first excuse? I'm going to be with you. Have a guess what God's response to his second excuse is. I'm going to be with you. Don't you love that? I'm going to be with you. What are you worried about? I'm, I'm, I'm ordering this. If I'm ordering it, I'm going to supply it. I'm going to resource it. I'm going to empower it. I'm going to back it. I'm with you. I just need a mouthpiece. I just need someone that says, God, here am I. Use me. So then he comes up with his third excuse. And he goes, but God, I'm not able. I'm, I'm not eloquent. I, I, I'm slow of speech. You've chosen the wrong guy. I'm a stutterer. And you know what God's response to his third excuse was? I'll be with you. (laughs) I'll be with you. I'll put the words in your mouth. Don't you think that I can make you speak properly? I'm going to be with you. And then he comes up with the worst excuse ever, after three really bad excuses, this was his third one. Okay, God, 
Why don't you send somebody else? I'm reluctant. Send somebody else. Send my brother. Send my cousin. Send my auntie. Send my mother-in-law. I don't know. Send somebody. <laughs> Just anybody, but not me. Then God gets upset with him and it says, man, I've come knocking at your door. And, and the bottom line is, Moses, all you need is me. That's all you need. So here's the bottom line to what I'm saying. And here's, what, here's, here's where it comes to your place. Are you going to make an excuse or are you going to make a difference? Because that's your choice. You either make an excuse or make a difference. And you know what? We would never, ever, ever heard of Moses if God let him get away with his excuses. But he's made a difference because he overcame his excuses. Your challenge today is this. Are you going to make an excuse or make a difference? So let me share with you three reasons why we ought to contribute. Number one, Jesus showed us the example. That's why we ought to contribute. Jesus gave us the example. So for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus, he's the Son of God, just didn't come. Everybody, look at me, look at me, serve me, serve me. No, his attitude was, I've come to serve. I've come to make a difference. I've come to make a difference in your life. So he was the role model to make a difference. Second reason why we ought to contribute is that in God's kingdom, greatness is connected to service. Matthew 25, 11 says, He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. How many of you know this is the total upside-down kingdom? Because in the world's kingdom, greatness is based on how many people serve you. In God's kingdom, greatness is based on how many people you serve. And Jesus was the greatest because he served everybody. And so, so here's this connection. Can you see the connection that in God's kingdom, greatness is connected to service? And, and so we just got to get this mindset, I want to be great in the world. No, no. What's all that about? That just is fluff and bubble. Be great in God's kingdom because that's eternal. And greatness in God's kingdom is based on service. And the third reason why we ought to contribute is that in God's kingdom, rewards are connected to service. So, so everything in regards to rewards in heaven, laying up, is about what you do, how you contribute, how you serve, how you give, your works. What, what are you connected to? It's, it's, it's your rewards. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each according to his works. So your eternal reward will be based on what you do now. This is a test, folks. This is a test. And so what we're going to do at the end of the service is, is that we are, we, we're going to actually connect what you did last week with the booklet that's on your seat for this week. And, uh, and so what, what you did last week was to discover your spiritual gifts. You did a questionnaire. And, and again, you know, if you don't have this, go to, um, we'll, we'll email it to you. Just make sure that we get your email address and we can email it to you. And there's a questionnaire that you can do. And then the answer sheet is this book here. So the answer sheet has the 19 spiritual gifts from A to S, that we discussed last week. And then what we've done is that we've actually set up 11 tables. Um, the stage is going to be table 11 for creative. They wanted the whole stage. 
That's creative right there. They want the stage. And um, so that's creative will be at the front. And so, so what we've done is that we've given you a clue. But, but whatever spiritual gift that you filled out, we've given you a clue as to which booth best suits you because they're placed around your spiritual gift. And so, for instance, the A team. What's the A team? That's the administration team. So if you have the gift of administration or the gift of helps or the gift of service, then go to the A team because there's a place that, that we can help you find a contribution within the life of our church. Um, you know, if, you, if you're good with church planning or evangelism or exhortation or healing or hospitality or intercession, is there any missing out of that, Sandra? Go to connect groups. And so whatever gift you have, Sandra says, connect groups will find a place for you. That's awesome. I love that. Um, a food care. Um, you know, if you've got the gift of mercy or pastor or administration or faith or giving or helps. And so there's all sorts of areas for you to find your fit in this church and join the team. It's just awesome. If at the end of it all, you still can't find a place, just fill out this card that you've got on your seat. It says, my top three spiritual gifts are one, two, three. Then write down your name and we will find somewhere for you. We'll find a place for you to serve in our church and give you a clue. Now, the other thing is this. If you say, well, John, I don't know. If I sign up, that's the one that I want. Well, you know what? You don't have to sign up for eternity. This is not sign up for eternity. This is sign up for four weeks. Give it a four-week trial. If after four weeks you haven't fitted, that's fine. Let's find, we'll find somewhere else. But you know what? We just want you to find a place where you can fit. When you join the team, six things is going to happen to you. Six things are going to happen to you when you join the team. Let me share what these six things are. Number one, you get to make a difference. You stop making excuses and you get to make a difference. Number two, you actually get to make more friends. This is what I've noticed, that when you join a team, those team people become your friends. It's like going to war. It's like entering, and, and you are going to war. You're fighting the forces of darkness. You're, you're on God's side bringing light to the darkness and you get to win. It's already been... It's already been predestined. You get to win. How awesome is that? But you make friends, and it's just an amazing thing how there's intimacy of friendship that's created when you're in a team with people. The third thing that happens is that you get to make an eternal contribution. You've got to live life beyond just the natural. You've got to see beyond the natural into the eternal and begin to see that you make an eternal contribution to people's lives. You know, one of the things that really impacts me is this. We've been doing missions in our church now for decades, and literally thousands and thousands of people have been saved through what we do. It's just so powerful for you to understand this. On uh, Friday night, we had a dinner with, uh, with one of the missionaries that we support, which is metamorphic. It's um, Lindsay and Julie Clark. And We've been supporting them since 2002, 2003. And, and so through, through their endeavors, just metamorphic, which is just one of the things that we do, 32,000 churches have been planted. 32, everybody say 32,000. I mean, you can say quickly and that's just 30, 32,000. But, but the average of those 32,000 churches is there's 130 people 
in each one of those 32,000 churches. What's the maths? 32,000 times 130, that's nearly 4 million people. 4 million people. And do you know what? I doubt whether I know any of those 4 million people. But when I get to heaven and when you get to heaven, because we've done this together, we're partners together. See, see, this is what I need for you to understand is that that person that's, that's helping people find cars in the car park is helping us lead 4 million people to Jesus. So, but, but I'm just leading, I'm, I'm just putting people into a car park. No, 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 you, you're part of our team. And because you're part of our team, what you do connects to what we do. And you get the same prize because the team wins. It's not the captain wins, the team wins. It's not Julia, John Juliano that wins, it's the whole team wins. And so we're going to have people come up to us in heaven and shake our hands and say, thank you. Thank you, Life Source Church. Because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. But all I did was lead somebody into the car park. Yeah, but you were part of that team called Life Source that contributed to that team called Metamorphic. And together, I came to know Jesus because of what you did. Wow, you know what? You might not be able to go to outer Mongolia. You might not be able to go, I'm going to Uganda um, in, in November, God willing. You might not be able to accompany me there physically, but by working with me, you're able to do these things. And, and together we do something incredible. We're, we're actually making an eternal contribution. You know, my father-in-law is, is here today and and I just know this, that, that he prays for me wherever I go. And so whenever I'm you know, ministering out, my father-in-law and my mother and so many others are praying for me. And so they're sending me through their prayers. You know, whatever I do is connected to their prayers. And whatever rewards come to me is going to them because we're partnering together. Come on, I'm saying to you, you can do something. You can make a contribution. You can get, not only that, but you get to grow and you get to give back and you get to give God the glory. Let me, let me finish with this one story. Can I finish with one story? I've got so much more to say, but you know what? We've got next week and we've got the week after and we've got next month and next year. I'm going to be here for lots of years, guys, and, um, and love being here. But I heard this story when I was still a teenager. How many teenagers have we got here? I love the fact that you guys are here. And I love the fact that you get to hear my stories because I believe that I'm sowing into your life for your future. I heard this story as a teenager and now I'm 59 years of age. And Incidentally, I've had my birthday this week, so I'm definitely now 59. My last year in my 50s, how good is that? Next year I'll be 60, looking forward to it. But I heard this story as a teenager that's impacted me deeply and it's laid a foundation in my life that's stayed with me all these years, over 40 years. And it's a story about this very wealthy lady that had a dream. She wakes up in a cold sweat with this dream. And the reason she woke up in a cold sweat is because she dreamt that she died. How many of you have had dreams like that? You died. <clears throat> but the good news was that she went to heaven. How many of you think, okay, it's one thing to die, it's another thing to go to heaven. 
But what she dreamed was this, that not only did she die, but her gardener, she was wealthy enough to actually have a gardener. How many of you know that's pretty wealthy? And he died as well. And so both of them sort of ended up at heaven's doorstep together. And the angel there says, oh, let me, let me take you to your eternal abodes. Let me take you to your mansions. How many of you know that Jesus said, I prepare a, a, a mansion for you in glory? How many of you think that's awesome? Why? Come on, join with me. Say, yeah, that's awesome. And so, um, and so they come to the, to the front avenue of heaven, the first avenue of heaven, and they just see these amazing, huge mansions. And the angel says to the gardener, this is your eternal mansion. And the rich lady is just beside herself thinking to herself, wow, if that's the mansion that my gardener gets, imagine what I'm going to get. And so she's just, just enthralled. And so Angel drops the guy off into his mansion, the gardener, he's there and he's having the party time. And, and so she's being led through the guided tour of heaven. And, and she notices that the further back they go into heaven, the mansions are getting smaller. And, you know, they started off with 24-karat gold streets at the beginning, and now they're down to 18-karat gold, and, and uh, the golden streets are getting cheaper and cheaper. And then finally they get to the back blocks of heaven. And now, guys, this is a dream. Please don't make any theology out of this. It's a dream, okay? It's a dream. So now they're in the back blocks of heaven. They've got 9-karat gold streets, and they're shacks. And, uh, and she's thinking to herself, well, I'm sure that the tour will take me back to First Avenue. And then the angel takes her to this little shack at the back blocks of heaven and says to her, this is your eternal abode. I just, but, 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 but how can this be my eternal abode? And the angel said to her, I'm sorry, but this is the best we could do with the material that you sent. And then she woke up in a cold sweat. How many of you would wake up in a cold sweat right there? And do you know what? As your pastor, what I'm trying to do is to help you lay up treasure in heaven. That's what I want for you. I want for you to understand that, yes, whether it's that story or some other story, the fact, you know, the fact is that our eternal rewards are based on what we do now. We just want to make it a an avenue, an opening for you to get involved, for you to become part of the team at Life Source. this church that's reaching the nations of the world, this church that has sent nearly 50 missionaries, been involved in planting over 30,000 churches. You can get part of this by just joining the team. Whatever you do is part of what we do, the team. Just be part of the team. And, and so today, we're going to finish early. I'm done. I'm finishing early so that you can just sign up somewhere and be part of this. And lay up treasure in heaven. Will you join the team? Be a contributor. Join the team. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for every person that's here today. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're helping us. You're challenging us. And Lord, as I said earlier on, if we can't say amen, let's say ouch. But let's be challenged to do something significant for you. And I pray, Lord, that today, that especially those that are attending our church will move into contribution. And Lord, and I just pray that we don't despise even the smallest contribution. We value every bit that's done. And, and Lord, and I pray that today people will join the team and just be incredibly excited. 
Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.